Turn with me to Matthew. Just remain standing for just a moment. <clears throat> While you're turning to Matthew chapter number 19, uh, we're going to take just a, a second to uh, welcome in, welcome in our Fairview family. Will you help me uh, this morning? Uh, help me welcome all of our Fairview family to the service today. Welcome everybody. Amen. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's take a, a moment to pray and uh, pray for a special need right now. Amen. Let's just, I, how many of y'all believe that God knows everything? How many of y'all believe God can do anything? Amen. Will y'all join me, Fairview? God knows about the situation, so let's just, let's just pray really quick and, and ask God to meet this need. Dear Heavenly Father, you know, you know the need, and Lord, I pray right now that you will be real. God, I pray that your power will be so evident and so real. Uh, there is nothing impossible to you. You know our every need. You know our situations and the details. And God, there is a special request that we're bringing to you right now. You know it, you're well aware of it, and I pray that you'll move in such a way, Lord, that you'll move in such a way that it's obvious that it's you that did it. And God, will glorify you, we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say it, amen. amen. You may be seated, you may be seated, you can be seated out there at Fairview. We'll, we'll read, we are in Matthew chapter number 19. If you've been here for any amount of time, uh, you know we've been going through this book. We've been started in the New Testament, and uh, we've just kind of been going through verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And we are here at chapter number 19. And, and I'll be honest with you, I was very tempted. Uh, this is a controversial topic that we don't like to talk about, although it's very prevalent and, uh, and it's a plague on our society uh, it is a controversial topic that we don't like to talk about. And uh, I've, I've, I've been kind of dreading this chapter and uh, almost was tempted to skip over it. But if I did that, uh, Brother Doug would tell me I would have to quit preaching. <laughs> because you're supposed to preach it all. We've got to preach the stuff we like and we've got to preach the stuff we don't like. And, I'm, I, and, and you say, well, there's nothing there I don't like, and you're not reading good enough. There's plenty that gets on my toes and deals with my situation, amen? And so, so we need to do this, and there's no doubt in my mind, especially right now in this moment, that Satan wants to interrupt this. Uh, this, is a, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Our churches are only as strong as our families. Our, our country is only as strong as our churches. Our communities, our communities are only as strong as our churches. Our churches are only as strong as our families. And I don't know if you notice or not, but the devil is wreaking havoc and he's trying to destroy the fabric of the family. And, and I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I hate to admit this, but I'm afraid that we've been so focused on the LGBTQ crowd that they're destroying the family when, when divorce has already done that. And we, we're so against one while we overlook the other. That's called hypocrisy. We need to mow our own grass. And all God's people say it. I'm just a little shook up, so y'all pray for me. Uh, I was already shook up, but I'm extra shook. <clears throat> Verse one, verse one, let's just, I'm not going to tell you anything but what the Bible says and you can take it or leave it, whatever you want to do with it. 
And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him and healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, what? Tempting him. Tempting him. They're always trying to trap Jesus. They're always trying to trick him, tempt him, trap him. And saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? In other words, for any reason. And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them, and I've underlined this in verse 4 and in verse 8, at the at the beginning, at the beginning, made them male and female. And he said, For this call shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall twain be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Then why did Moses command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? Now they're trying to pit Jesus against the lawgiver, Moses. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, there's that word again, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. His disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry in other words, we shouldn't, good gracious, if there's not a way out, if there's not a way out, we, sh- we shouldn't even get married at all. But he said unto them, all men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. And there be eunuchs which have themselves eunuchs, made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I am in desperate need of your anointing, your touch. I pray, Lord, the Holy Spirit will come into this place. I pray that you'll fill me with the Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll guide every word that I say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, please don't let me forget anything I should. I pray that your perfect will be done. And Lord, I pray that you, you will move. I pray that you will help. I pray that you will encourage. I pray that you will heal today. And I pray that you will bless your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. 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 Jesus is traveling as, as he normally does. He's healing. He's ministering. He's serving. He has a group of people that are constantly trying to trap him, constantly trying, just as if you will remember when, when they brought the, the woman caught in the midst of adultery and thrown at his feet, trying to trap him, trying to uh, uh, use his own love and compassion against him in the same way it, we find it here. He is in the area, he's in the area that John Baptist was when, when he was preaching and got beheaded for his preaching on this particular subject. And he had already said the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. So the Jewish religious crowd was here and they was going to try to trap him with what he taught on, uh, 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 in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount. So now here we are, here we are, they're asking this question. They're bringing up their tradition 
They're bringing up their, uh, uh, the, the beliefs that they have been taught by the, some of the rabbis at that time. And they're trying to trap Jesus. But how many of y'all know you can't trap the Lord? You just can't do it. Uh, and he will always bring them back to not what man said, but what God said. And that's what we should do. Amen. And so here we have, here we have the response of Jesus. They said, is it okay? Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? All right. Now, keep in mind this. Keep in mind this. They were not seeking an answer because they already had what they already believed. Are y'all with me? And, and see, that's the problem with most people today. They have what they want to believe and they go to the Bible to try to prove what they already believe. Well, that's not the way we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to go to the Bible and see what we're supposed to believe. And all God's people see it. So they already have their preconceived ideas, their, their notions. They already know what they think, but they're trying to trap him in what he is teaching. Now, so he takes them all the way back to the beginning. So I want you to look at this. Number one, for taking notes, we're going to look at the original design. When it comes to marriage, the original design. He says, he says here, have ye not read? And by the way, that's a little sarcasm right there. When you ask a scribe, a professional, academic, religious academic, have you read? You're kind of being smart with them. So I'm glad to know that Jesus has a sense of humor. Say amen. Have ye not read? What's your problem? Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning? Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Let's don't go back to Deuteronomy 24 that they're trying to go back to. Let's not go back to what the rabbis are telling you. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. He made them male and and said, For this call shall a man cleave, or excuse me, leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be what? Wherefore? They are no more twain, but what, what, what therefore, what's the next word? God, that's a key. Wherefore, God, what therefore God hath joined together, let, let no man put asunder. Now, let's look at three things here. Let's look at three things here in the original design. In the original design, first we see it's a physical union. It's a physical union. Marriage is a physical union. He says the twain shall be one flesh. There is a bond. There is a tie that's there. It's a physical union. They're no longer two, but they're one. I don't have to elaborate on that. That's, that's obvious what that is. But not only is it a physical union, but it is a purposeful union. Write that down. And this is where we come from that. God put them together. Marriage is not man's idea. Marriage is God's idea. Marriage is God's design. And anytime God has a design, he has a purpose for the design. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And this is, this is what? If you want to just, I put it there in your notes. Uh, fellowship, fruitfulness, fulfillment, fun. If you don't like those words, you can use procreation, purity, partnership, pleasure. God had a design and he had a purpose for marriage. He looked at Adam. 
He looked at Adam. Adam was alone on this planet. He was serving God, but he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Isn't that something? Everything that God made. He said, let it be, and it was, and it was good. It was good, everything, every detail, every part of creation, it was good. But then he looks at Adam by himself, and he says, this is not, this is not good. I'm going to make a help meet for him. I'm going to make a help meet for him. I'm going to give him companionship. He has somebody for fellowship. He has somebody there for partnership. They were partners in this earth. They would bring dominion over the earth. Adam needs somebody. Say amen. It is for the procreation, for fruitfulness. He said, be fruitful and multiply. God expects fruitfulness. God expects to procreate and keep the human race alive. Somebody say amen. Purity. Purity. Where do we get that? It is, to, it is to protect people from the sin of fornication. God has given us appetites. God has given us desires. And God wants those desires to be met and fulfilled in the boundary and the protection of marriage. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, I know where we're at, and I know what year we're living in, and I know the society and the over-sexualized society, but God's Word endureth to all generation. It was true the day it was written. It's true the day I'm reading it. If you're having sex out of marriage, that's wrong. It's not only wrong, it's destructive. It's destructive, and we'll get some more of that later. But God had a purpose for this union. God put them together. God had a plan. God had a design. He wanted something out of this union. And by the way, by the way, part of this this union is not only, uh, or part of this purpose is not only for purity, protection, uh, procreation, pleasure. God wanted man and wife to enjoy each other. If you think, if you're a prude and you think that, that, that sex is just to have children, then you don't know the Bible. And you need to read, you need to read Song of Solomon because it'll make you blush. Say amen. God wants us to enjoy each other. There is stress in this world. There is difficulty in this world. There is heartache and, and, and everything you can imagine in this world. And God has us for each other to enjoy and help with that stress. So God has a plan for that. But not only that, you got to understand that the marriage is a, watch this now, this is, this is critical. Marriage is a picture of the relationship between Christ and His church. Are y'all with me? And if divorce was an easy thing and an okay thing and a no problem thing, then, then there would be a division in the, between Christ and His church. But guess what? The third thing I want you to see, it's not only a physical union, a purposeful union, it's a permanent union. It's a permanent union. I'm so glad that I'm in the bride of Christ and he's not going to divorce me. My salvation is permanent. I am secure. I am sealed. Say amen. He said, let no man put asunder. It's permanent. You know, we, in, the, in the vows, we say for better or for worse. For better or for worse. Sometimes I think they should have said for better or worse than worse. Because sometimes it seems that way. But now we're saying for better or for worse, but not for long. 
Come on, guys. Let's, not, let's don't be naive in this. We see what's happening all around us. And it's not just happening in the world. It's happening in the church. But in the beginning, God planned for one man, one woman, permanently. God's original law knows nothing of trial marriages. It is a union between one man and one woman. God did not create two men and one woman, or two women and one man, or two men or two women, but one man and one woman. Polygamy, gay marriages, and other variations are contrary to the will of God, no matter what some psychologists and jurists may say. Now, I'm telling you this right now, that there's coming a day when what I just said is going to be illegal. It's already coming. But it does not deter from what God's Word says. This is the original design. This is God's plan. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And instead of going back to Deuteronomy 24, which they were trying to do, he said, let's go all the way back to the beginning. So what happened? What happened? The fall. The fall. It was perfect in the beginning. It was wonderful in the beginning. There was harmony in the beginning. There was joy in the beginning. But then number two, I want you to write this down. Not only the original design, but here we see the obstinate deviation. Obstinate means stubborn. The obstinate deviation. They say in verse 7, well, if that's the case, they have a, they have a rebuttal to what Jesus just said. They, they, they ask him a question. Jesus gives them an answer and they have a rebuttal. Verse 7. They say unto him, well, if that's the case, then why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the, what's the next three words? The hardness of your hearts. He said, you're stubborn. You deviated from the truth. Now, let's go back to the beginning again. Let's go back to the beginning in, in this particular area. Uh, what happened? If it was God's plan for one man and one woman permanently for them to, and, and by the way, by the way, that cleaving in that, that leaving father and mother and joined to their wife, uh, 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 Adam and Eve never had a mother-in-law. Now see, y'all are taking that all wrong. That's not where I was going with this. My point was, this was the people in the future. Are y'all with me? I don't know what y'all laughing at. So the rule that God is giving, the rule that God is giving was not specifically for Adam and Eve. It was for everybody else too. That's my point, you heathen people. I love my mother-in-law. Amen. Oh, I know what I'm preaching on next week. Amen. Love thy mother-in-law. This, this that God has put down is for all people. All people. So what's the problem? How do we get to where we are then? How do we get to where we are? I would like to say, well, let's look at next last week or last month or let's go to the 60s. You know, the 60s messed everything up. The sexual revolution and all. No, no, we got to go farther back than that. I think we need to do what Jesus did and go all the way to the 
We've got to go to the beginning. Because there was only one time when it was right, and that was before the fall. So, let's look at what happens at the fall. Now, this was God's plan. You remember, God had a perfect plan. He had original design. He had an original design. Look in, look in, uh, 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 in your notes, we see Genesis 2.18. Genesis 2.18. He said, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will, so who made this? Who come up with this idea? God did. I will make and help meet for him. This was God's plan. God put it together. God designed this. Now watch what his plan was. Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them, not him. Let them. Let them. Now. You can, you, can, you can look at that any way you want to look at it, but I, I came kind of up in a real, real chauvinistic type uh, theology, if you will, or, or way, of, way of treating people. Uh, and and you got to understand, in the beginning, they were partners. Both had roles, and they played those roles, and they enjoyed those roles, and it worked, and there was harmony God says you are partners in this deal. You are going to rule the earth and have dominion over the earth. Yes, Adam was still the head and he still had his responsibilities. Uh, Eve had her responsibilities as a helpmeet. But they were together. There was harmony. There was not conflict or friction like we see today. Are y'all with me? That was God's plan. That was God's plan. But then we see that they disobeyed. They rebelled. I didn't put those verses in, but we know what happened. Eve took of the fruit and then gave to her husband Adam. They fell. They disobeyed God. They rebelled against God. And God had to deal with the situation. Genesis chapter 3 verse 12. And the man said, watch what, right after the fall. Remember before the fall, before the fall, there was harmony. There was joy. There was love. There was peace. There was, there was cohesion. They were working together. But right after the fall, look how the man treated the woman. It says, and the man said, because Adam, Adam was asked, God said, did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to? This is his response. The woman who thou gavest to be with me. The wheels on the bus go round and round. Adam threw her right under the bus. She gave me of the tree and I did eat. It's her fault. And then verse 16 Verse 16, now he's, he's putting the curse on the woman. And the curse on the man we see, it says, Under the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. That's a curse. That's a curse. Say, what do you mean? I think every woman should desire her husband, but that's not in the way you think. If you will look also in Genesis when it came to Cain, the Bible says that sin croucheth at the door and desires to overcome thee. He's talking about sin wanted to dominate, wanted to control Cain. Are y'all with me? So what he is saying there, the curse that you're going to experience You're going to have a desire to dominate and control your husband. This is Bible. So here's the problem. 
We know there was harmony in the beginning. The original design created unity and working together and cohesion and peace and joy and all of these things. But after the fall, A, write this down, we are cursed. We are cursed. Whether you believe it or not, and the curse is not just sin. There's things that we have to deal with because of the fall. We're cursed. What is the curse? This is when it all began. This is when marital bliss turned into marital conflict. Because they both stepped out of bounds of what their responsibilities were, and now they are cursed. What happened? Let's just put it in plain terms. Let's just put it in plain terms. Because of the curse, because of the curse, there is something in a woman that makes her want to tell her man what to do and control and dominate him and be in charge and be the ruler. But then there's something in a man that wants to suppress the woman. He will rule over you in that curse. So what happens is now they're not partners. Now they are conflict. They are having issues one with another. Now, let's, let's read. Let's keep on. In the curse, in the curse, in the fall, women began seeking supremacy and men began to be suppressive. Men, that's when male chauvinism came into being. It wasn't in the 60s. It wasn't in any other time but at the fall. Feminism and male chauvinism happened at the fall. Now watch this. Because of the curse. Because I'm going somewhere. I know y'all think I'm rambling, but I'm not. I'm going somewhere. Because of the curse, we are cursed. Our, our, our lives have to deal with problems. Men, that's why you have to work by the sweat of your brow. When you go plant a garden, that's why you have to dig weeds. And that's why you have to pull splinters. And that's why you have ticks and fleas and all these other things. It's an irritant to us because of the curse. Now, we need to understand, we believe in the curse of sin, that every man is a sinner, every man is condemned, and we must all be forgiven, and we must all be delivered. But there's other parts of that curse that's with us too, and we have to deal with it every single day of our married lives. Now, how do you know that? Looking, looking because of the curse, B, we are covetous. We are covetous. The curse has made us to be selfish. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, watch what it says. It gives commands to wives and husbands. Wives, wives, what's the next word? I only heard a bunch of men there for some reason. More men than women. Women. Wives, submit yourselves. Now, isn't that amazing? That's exactly the opposite of what the curse, can, the curse produces. Isn't that something? Watch this. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. But husbands, you're not getting away with it. Look at verse 25. Husbands, say it with me. Say it again. How? How? Even as... And, here we go, and, in other words, the love of the husband is to be just like Christ's love for the church, that Christ sacrificed everything for the church. Men, we are to be so unselfish 
and so sacrificial that we give up everything for our love so they understand that they are first besides God in our life. Our love for them has to be completely unselfish. Completely. Are y'all with me? Now, these are commands or rules, if you want to say. Now, why do, why do people write down rules? Why do people write down rules? Because somebody's doing something wrong. Are y'all with me? Why do we have a speed limit? Because we're speeding. Why do you have don't step on the grass? Because we're stepping on the grass. Why does God say women submit to your husbands? Because they're not. Why does God have to tell the men you need to love your wife so unselfishly? You need to be willing to give your life for your wife. Now, let me let me put it this way. Men, we're willing to take a bullet, but we're not willing to take a day off. I don't think any man in here would have any problem stepping in front of a bullet for his wife. But it goes way beyond that. It's not just talking about that. It's talking about giving up fishing to take her shopping. What? Now, ladies, y'all miss a great shouting time right there. It's amazing how I'm getting a response now. Are you se- What's the point? Because of the fall, we all became selfish. Because of the fall, covetous means I want what I want. The woman is cursed in a way that she wants to have dominion over the husband. The man is cursed in a way that he just wants what's want, what he wants. It's not about her. It's about selfishness. And I'm telling you, just about every single marriage counseling that I do, every single time, without fail almost, it always almost comes back to selfishness in some sort of way in one or both. You know what's destroying our marriages? Selfishness. Why? Because we're cursed. What comes natural is easy. It's easy for me to be selfish. It's easy for me to be selfish. It's difficult for me to be unselfish. I have to fight that. Men, we have to fight that. Ladies, it's easy for you to want to tell him what to do and straighten him out and tell him why he didn't wash that dish right. Yeah, I'm going to get you too. If I'm going to have to give up fishing, you're going to have to stop nagging about how he's washing them dishes. But that inward desire inside of you to want to show him why he's doing it wrong. That's the curse talking. One brave soul. Now you know why preachers don't want to deal with none of this. And y'all know I'm right. He says because of the fall we become selfish. Because of the fall, we don't have harmony anymore. Because of the fall, men have become suppressive and women desire supremacy. It's the curse. And it creeps into our marriages. It creeps into our relationships. And this one's wanting his way and she's wanting her way. And we're getting no way. And because of that, remember I said I'm going somewhere. First, 
the curse. we got to understand there's a curse. There's a real curse that affects all of us and affects how we think and affects how we act. And the curse causes us to be covetous. It causes us to be selfish. And because of that, we are corrupt. See, we are corrupt. Remember I said I was going somewhere? They said, why did, why did Moses allow this then? Because of the hardness of your heart. What happens when we become selfish? We want to start changing things to fit the way we want it. And you see, because of their lustful desires and their selfishness and their their corruptness, if you will, they begin to change the laws to fit the way they want to live. You see, this this, this is the problem. The problem is not this book. The problem is our lifestyles. And we want to change the word to fit the way we want to live. Because we're cursed. And we're covetous. And we're corrupt. So we change things to fit our lifestyle and not change our lifestyle to fit what God said. So how do you know that? Well... Man corrupted God's original design and came up with many excuses and reasons to justify divorce. But it was primarily to fulfill their own lusts and desires. They even had rabbis that taught that a man could divorce his wife for the most trivial reasons. For such things as taking her hair down in public. Or talking to other men. Or even for burning the bread or putting too much salt in the food even for speaking ill of his mother. Mm -hmm. Or to be infertile. Speaking ill of a mother-in-law and being infertile were more than sufficient grounds for divorce. That's what they come up with. This is okay, that's okay, this is okay, this is okay. And it had nothing to do with Scripture. It had nothing to do with God's law. It had nothing to do with what was right. It had everything to do with what they wanted. Their own lustful desires. Because they're corrupt. Man is covetous. Man is cursed. But Jesus said it was not that way from the beginning. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, so what do we do? Number three, we have the ordained declaration. Is that the 15? Okay, I got to hurry. What did Jesus say about it? He said, the only reason Moses did it is because you're corrupt. He said, let me tell you what I say. Verse 8. And he saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was what? It was not so. I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife except it be for fornication and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. First we see see divorce and remarriage permitted. We see divorce and remarriage permitted. There's two areas. One we find here in Matthew 19, 9 and also 1 Corinthians 7, 15. Divorce and remarriage is permitted when, when adultery is involved. He said, except to be for fornication, that's in reference to adultery. Sexual sin, sexual committed against the, the, the relationship. 
And, and by the way, let me say this. Let me say this. I don't really have the time, but I need to say this. It is not commanded. It was permitted. In other words, if you're in a relationship and adultery takes place, that is not a command that you should divorce them because they committed adultery. What, is, what does God want? He wants forgiveness and restoration. That's God's plan. That's God's desire. But there is an allowance here because of the broken covenant. But don't ever go somewhere and say, well, God commanded me to divorce him because he did this or she did this. No, that's not true. That's not, that is not biblical. God is always about restoration. Malachi says that God hates divorce. And guess what? Nobody hates divorce like people has been through it. Because they know the consequences and they know the pain and they know the suffering. Listen, adultery, but not only adultery, but abandonment. 1 Corinthians 7, 15. Paul is addressing the believers in Corinth. He said, but if the unbelieving depart. In other words, if a, if a, a, a woman is saved and she has an unbelieving spouse and they depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. In other words, if they abandon the spouse. So there is a, there is a permission there. They are not under bondage in such cases. If you're with me, say amen. amen. But then we find not, not just divorce and remarriage permitted, but then divorce and remarriage prohibited. Prohibited, Matthew 19. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except to be for fornication, adultery, shall uh, and marry, excuse me, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. He said, don't do it. It's prohibited. Why? God did not, God hates divorce, number one, Malachi, but God does not want it to be easy to split up. We have created a system in a way where it's just, hey, if this one don't work, I'll just get me another one. Now, here's a problem with that. Here's a problem with that. Well, I'm just, I'll just, I, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Listen, you totally, number one, I, I have to wonder about your salvation situation first. But secondly, you don't understand. You can get forgiveness, but forgiveness does not release you or give you freedom from the consequences of your sin. Do you realize that King David, he committed adultery and he was forgiven. He came to God and said, purge me, wash me with a hyssop. I acknowledge my sin and my sin is ever before me. And God forgave him, but the sword never departed from his house. He had to deal with the consequences of his sin from that point on. It's a dangerous thing to be presumptuous with God. And do something you know is not right and you know he's commanded you not to do. Because you'll have to deal with it from that point on. So what do we do? What now? I could just leave it there because that's all that's said. But I couldn't leave it in my own conscience, in my own heart, because I know I got the question. I know you're going to have the question. Well, preacher, I've been divorced and I've remarried, but it wasn't a scriptural divorce. It wasn't because of the grounds that God has given us. But now I'm married. What do I do now? What do I do now? Well, Jesus doesn't specifically address that particular situation. So you have to find a parallel in the Bible that addresses something of that nature. So this is where we go. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, it's not in your notes because I was really going to do it next week, but I can't leave you hanging. I need to tell you this now. 
2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, we have the command. We have the command. Say it with me. Read it with me. Okay, let's stop there. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, what does that mean? Don't marry an unbeliever. If you're a child of God, if you're saved, you should not marry somebody that's not. Period. Period. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So if he commands you not to do it and you do it, that's a sin. Would you agree? Now we have that problem. They are questioning Paul in Corinth. Oh my goodness, what do I do? I'm, I'm married to, I, I married a, a man that's not saved or I'm, I have a, a wife that is not saved. Do I need to divorce her? Because God commanded us not to do that. Well, let's see what Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. Don't divorce her. Don't divorce her. And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her don't divorce. What is Paul saying here? Two wrongs don't make a right. Two stupid decisions don't fix the first one. Now you have two broken covenants. So what do we do? First, we acknowledge that we were wrong in doing it. With any sin, with any disobedient act, with any rebellion against God, we come to God and say, God, I was wrong to do this. We acknowledge our sin. Say that with me. We, we acknowledge our sin. We ask God's forgiveness. We ask God's forgiveness. Say it with me. We we say, God, forgive us for our rebellion and our disobedience. Number three, we trust God's grace. We trust God's grace. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, that ain't no problem. I'm good. Because I don't like the one I'm with. I'll just go get another one and ask forgiveness. Well, then you're dumber than you look. Did you not just hear me say about the consequences? Do you remember what I said a while ago that there is not one single person in this room that hates divorce no more than the people that's gone through it? Now I'm speaking for a minute. Some of y'all are mad because I'm dealing with this. And I can feel it. I can feel blood come up in my neck and I, I'm, I'm just... Because I, 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 this is a difficult topic. But if we don't start talking about this, our teenagers growing up are seeing this and they're thinking it's okay. And we got to start talking about this. We got to tell them it's painful. We got to tell them it's destructive. We got to tell them, no, 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 learn from our mistakes. Be careful who you marry. Don't just find somebody willy-nilly. Make sure, make sure, make sure. Because it's damaging, it's devastating, it's painful. And I'm afraid sometimes the consequences are enduring. So let's go forward. Whatever situation you're in, take what you know now and go forward. Ask God's forgiveness, trust God's grace, and let's go forward. But I promise you this, God judges fornicators and whoremongers and adulterers. 
Don't just think, don't just think I can just ask forgiveness and everything's okay. You can be forgiven. Without a doubt, you can be forgiven. God's grace is strong enough for the deepest, darkest sin, but it does not release you from the consequences of those sins. David's baby died. David's son killed his other son. One son raped his daughter. One son run him out of town and then raped all of his other wives. David had to deal with those consequences. So don't foolishly presume that just because you get forgiveness that you're scot-free. And all God's people say it. What do I want you to take from this? For all you young people that's not married yet, you better be sure. God wants it to be one man, one woman forever. Better be sure. Say, preacher, I'm divorced and I'm remarried. What do I do? Ask forgiveness and trust God's grace and go forward. The Bible says the blood of Christ will purge our conscience from dead works that we may serve a living God. And I'm so glad of that. And maybe you need to stand up and let these young people know the pain you've experienced and the difficulty you have faced and and all the consequences you've dealt with because maybe because of your foolishness you can save somebody from theirs. Don't ever say I'm going to go to the school of hard knocks because the tuition is way too high. Amen?